0: Thank you guys. Good morning, everyone. How are you doing? Good. Uh, hey, we are in the second week of a series that we are calling Revolution. And uh, looking at this understanding of what the revolution is, uh, that God has impressed upon me that uh, the church, especially the American church, needs a revolution of the heart. And a revolution can uh, mean different things, but the way that we're looking at it uh, is as a paradigm shift. Paradigm shift of how we look at things, how we approach things. And, and that is evident in the word. Many times we look at the word revolution and we never notice that the word love is in there. And as we talked about last week, uh, that love is central to everything that we are as followers of Christ. That that our God is, in the Bible says God is love, and that we are meant to be ambassadors. That we are meant to be the ones who are carrying out God's purpose and mission here on this earth. In fact, you could say that we are meant to be the tangible hand of Christ. And we talked about last week about looking at our hands and really determining. What are our hands for? Are they going to be ours? Are are we going to use our hands to serve ourselves and to serve our needs and our ends? Or are we truly going to be the hands, the tangible hand of Christ to a lost and hurting world? And in this graphic is the tangible hand of Christ is reaching out uh, underneath the earth. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So we don't have to perish, but we have the opportunity for eternal life and He's reaching the tangible hand of reaching out there to love the world and to, in our, in our context, the recycle symbol to make, mature, and mobilize fully devoted followers of Christ. And we're really in this series talking about how we need to be mobilized. Those of us who consider ourselves fully devoted followers of Christ, that that it's time that we need to put our faith in action. What we need is not another sermon. We don't need uh, 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 more Sunday school. We don't need those kind of things. We need to put into practice what we know. And what we know is that there are people who are hurting and their circumstances are so bad that they don't even have the opportunity to think about things outside of themselves. And we have been called to be the conduit Of God's love and good deeds and as I was praying and working through this series uh, God led me to a a scripture in Matthew 25 31 and that's where we're going to be today if you wanted to turn there and uh, it right out of the the gun uh, Jesus is talking about basically how he determines who a follower of him is and What is not? And he uses uh, this illustration about goats and sheep. It starts out, But when the Son of Man comes in His glory and the angels with Him, then He will sit upon His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in His presence, and He will separate them as a shepherd separates a sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Now, I was thinking about this, and and being from Los Angeles, uh, I haven't had a lot of experience with goats and or sheep, uh, and it, it's not really one of my strong suits Um if you want to learn about drive-bys and the nuances of that, you know, I'm your man. But when it comes to, to farming animals and stuff, and in fact, I was trying to think when I really, like, experienced a, a, a sheep in the in the wild, you know. And I don't know if that's, yeah, I don't even know if that's right. But but I was trying to think as a kid, and I was, like, trying to think when my parents would take me to, like, the zoo, L.A. Zoo, which is a great zoo. I don't know if they had goats and sheep there. At least I don't remember if they did. I remember the gorilla and the lions and all that kind of stuff. But I don't remember the sheep and the goats. And I, the first real memory of, of, of a, a sheep in the wide open range for me was in Ireland. And uh, I just saw them walking and they walked just down the road. And it was kind of, you know, it's kind of like rush hour uh, in Los Angeles. But instead of cars, it was sheep. Uh, but but it, uh, there was some connection because the farmers there would spray paint their sheep. So it was kind of like they got tagged. So I, I kind of had that culturally uh, context going for me, which was kind of interesting. And, and look at that. And, and so, but I was wondering, and you know, God, God here is separating the sheep from the goats. And th- to be honest with you, that meant nothing to me. <laughs> Uh, and I'm, I wasn't too sure about, you know, why you would do that, how hard that would be. So, I uh, you know, I started Googling and trying to figure out, you know, what's the difference between sheep and, and, and goats and, and things like that. And uh, I found out that it's really not that hard to separate a sheep from a goat, you know, because you're sitting here and, and in this thing, you know it's, it's God doing this separation, so it's obviously it's got to be something pretty important, right? you know I wasn't thinking that it was just just something simple that you know any like everyday angel could do or something like that that, that there was some sort of reason that God was doing this uh, but but it seems like it would be pretty obvious. In fact, I need a volunteer, somebody with average to below average intelligence. Uh, <laughs> if possible, I mean, come on, be authentic. If you're not a rocket science just get up here. All right, Thomas, thank you for, we'll use small words. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ride, all, right. Small ones all right, good. Now I want to set this up so you don't like think that I've uh, got a ringer here. So have we ever met before? No. Well, now you're lying. And, uh, of course we've met. Okay, we've met, but have we? Did we talk about this no. before? No. Yeah, just answer honestly. No. no. You, don't, you don't need we to deceive these before. people. Do you have? Do you have a a master's in zoology? No, I don't. Okay, good. All right. So, um, I'm going to show you two pictures, and I want you to determine what they are. All right. All right. First picture. That's a goat. I think. Is he right? Pretty sure. All right. All right. That would be a sheep. Outstanding. All right. Thank you. See? Not really that hard. I mean, even I got that one. I mean, I was looking at it. I have Boo Bear up here in the first gathering. He had no idea why I was going up here. And he got it right. I mean, it's it's not something that that's very, very hard. It becomes it's pretty readily apparent and of uh, you know that that goats do certain things and and sheep do certain things and they have certain characteristics so i wanted to take a minute and just kind of break out what those characteristics are shannon my wife hates it when i write in front of you in front of everyone cuz she says everyone will know that you can't spell i just There we go, and I didn't mean to do that, and it's one thing to, oh hey, see, don't worry, it'll get worse, (laughs) Uh, speed, I don't know what I was thinking, all right, we got sheep, and goat, now I'm just telling you, thank you. If you sit there and you try to correct my spelling and have me get it right, we're going to be here all day. So look past the details and let's just go for the larger point here that we're trying to accomplish. And that is that we need to determine or look, that how, how did Thomas, who does not have a master's in zoology and has below or average intelligence, figure out that one was a sheep, or a shep, I think it should be shep, one of them. But uh, uh, a shep or a goat. So just yell out like some characteristics. What? Horn. Goats have horns. What? Wool. I would assume that's the goat. Okay. Milk. Followers? Did you say followers? Followers. Oh, they are followers. I was like, who follows a sheep? <laughs> okay, they're followers. Okay, sheep's are sheep's sheep's are sheep are followers. Okay. Goats are hard headed. Hard headed. In the first gathering, somebody had made the observation that as we went down the goat thing that it could be a list about me, actually. So uh, I'm growing a horn, too, by the way, which on the back of my head, which Shannon thinks is not a good thing for a pastor, but I said it's probably okay. Uh, okay, hard-headed. Some, escape artists. We'll just say EA for short, yeah. What else? Goats will eat anything. See, it could be or mark. <laughs> eat anything. Cheap what? Really? I didn't know that. Lead to food. Lead to food. What was that? Which one? Oh, okay, good. I was hoping it wasn't going to be the go. <laughs> Intelligence, whatever. Okay. <laughs> what? One more time. Calm. Which one? Cheap or calm. Okay. All right. Let's put this to rest because we could do this all day because obviously you guys are sheep and goat experts and uh, but but what I wanted to illustrate here is that sheep and goat they have they have characteristics that allow us to to know what what kind of animal that that they are and Jesus goes on uh, to let us know in his illustration how how God determines. Who is a sheep or a follower of Christ, and who is a goat, someone who is not a follower of Him? And, uh, and again, this is not a, a salvation-type issue, but this is a thing that, that is part of an animals or our DNA. Like, a goat can't help but to have horns, give milk, be hard-headed... Uh, eat anything, escape artist. Uh, sheep have wool, they're followers, they need to be led to feed. It's just the way they are, just because they are sheep, are these are the characteristics that they have. So, in the same manner, as Jesus is Jesus saying that there are certain characteristics of a follower of Christ? Not, it's not something that they do, it's something that they are. In verse 34, Jesus goes on and says, Then the king will say to those on his right, and those are the sheep, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and gave you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will tell them, I assure you when you did it to one of the least of these my brothers and sisters you were doing it to me Now I don't know if you you caught the 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 magnitude of what Jesus is saying here but but it really changes everything truly about what characteristics that a follower of Christ needs to portray you see a follower of Christ has certain characteristics. A follower of Christ is someone who, who gives and serves and loves and takes on the characteristics of Christ. And, be, and these characteristics are demonstrated how we treat others. In fact, if you look at what Jesus is saying here in the in. in in the measure of, the, of all of Scripture, it becomes pretty overwhelming, but also crystal clear on what we are called to do. If you remember last week, some, uh, we were looking at the Scripture, and a lot of people call it the Great Commandments, when Jesus was asked, you know, what do we have to do to, to inherit the kingdom of God, to have eternal life? And he just broke it down into two very simple things that you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, which we're all like, duh, who cares? Yeah, we got it. But he said something amazingly different and, and compelling. He said, but equally, love your neighbor as yourself. And we spent last week talking about how that equal changes everything. And there should be a revolution of our heart because what... Christ is saying here is it matters as much to him how you treat your neighbor than it does how you approach God and then just to throw fuel on the fire we have this and Jesus is saying look you know what how you approach those the least of these the 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 rejected, the under-resourced, the forgotten in your world, that those aren't the rejected, those aren't the under-resourced, those aren't the forgotten, but those are me. And as we let that sink in, really the impact of that, it starts to stir something And it starts to chip away maybe something that that has been status quo in the American church for far too long. You see, we need, it's not an option, it's part of our DNA as a sheep to not only bring glory to God, but to see everyone through the eyes of Christ, but not only through the eyes of Christ, but to treat them as if they were Christ himself. And this is why I'm so excited about Red Eye uh, Midtown and opening that, it just giving us the opportunity to really step out of what we do as a local expression of worship. That, that this is something that, that is completely outward focused. And I've, I've told the staff there, and, and I use this, this uh, language a lot. Uh, I tell them that, that, you know what? I hope that we never serve a cup of coffee at the red eye. They're like, well, what do you mean? And it's like, I mean this. If we ever serve a cup of coffee, If that's whatever, if Red Eye Midtown ever becomes about serving coffee, we will have lost the whole reason that we have been called to do this. You see, be under no illusion, and I'm not, I was so proud of our community when we unanimously said, you know what, we're going to do this. And even though we knew that our church isn't big enough or resourced enough to, to go out, that we quite possibly could be, Risking, or we are risking what we have here in order to do something out there. That I knew that our hearts were moving in the right place or were in the right place. And what we're doing over there in Red Eye Midtown has nothing to do with coffee. Absolutely zero. It has everything to do with being the tangible hand of Christ. From the, the, the humanitarian efforts that, that we have adopted to our service there, to how we treat people there, that we are being ambassadors of Christ. And that we are about something much larger. In fact, we are reaching out with the with the hope that we are gonna join with unseen stories to to bring awareness to the child trafficking problem in Benin Africa, to put an end to child slavery there, that reaching out and sending resources and people to Pana in Guatemala to help single mothers and, and under-resourced there and and to Reach into our, our local city and to love those who have been in the cycle of poverty and cannot see out of it. You see, it has nothing to do with coffee, it has everything to do with being sheep, being the tangible hand of Christ, the conduit of his love and good deeds. But be under no illusion that this is going to be easy, or just because we opened the doors Thursday, that now the work is done. Because it's not. You see, you know, we we put in tons of hours and lots of people, and there's lots of excitement about it. And there was lots of work. And believe me, I mean, past two weeks I've been putting in 16-hour days. I'm absolutely exhausted. Lots of you have been working all day and then going there at night and and working hours and hours and hours and we're exhausted. And now the doors are open and our tendency is to say, all right, got that one done, let's move on to the next thing. But if we do that, we will have lost. It's so easy to fall into that. I was so excited. couple of trips ago when I went to Guatemala, and our community had built and paid for a home for a single mother with uh, uh well with children I guess let's uh, state the obvious but uh, I was so excited about it and uh, to go and actually see it and and to meet the people and and I got to be honest with you, you know maybe even get a little pat on the shoulder and, and kind of like that. So, you know, and I heard about uh, when we were going there, I didn't expect this, but they decided that they were going to cook us this dinner uh, or lunch, you know, in celebration of opening up this new home. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. You know, I'm all about that and everything. And we, we get there and find out that they they prepared this really special meal. It's kind of like their Thanksgiving and and uh, uh Christmas and, and New Year's kind of meal all mixed up into, uh, into one thing. I mean, it was like their big deal, but uh, but they didn't have enough money to to this one family, obviously, to to feed all of us. So all of her neighbors kind of got together and and they they pitched in to build this meal. And I started feeling really guilty about it because for them it was a lot of money. And I and I started going, Oh, I wish they didn't do this, but they really wanted to do this for us and this nice traditional dinner and you know, we get there and the whole neighborhood's there and everybody's celebrating and they're 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 sitting there and they're cooking cooking along and uh, <laughs> knowing that they didn't have uh, plumbing like running water or anything and seeing them put their hands in our dinner and stirring it and everything. You know, it started, you know, I'm like, all right. And when they asked me to pray to to, for the meal. I prayed for that meal and asked God to bless it like I'd never prayed for a meal in my life. And uh, we're sitting there and none of us got sick and it was cool. And, and uh, God did bless them. And uh, they're like, wow, he's really passionate about this lunch. Uh, and the celebration is going on and I'm like, yeah, you know, this is so cool. We're going to eat this dinner, turn our backs and go to the next one, right? Well, as we were sitting there, I get a tap on the shoulder, and, and the single mother uh, wanted to share something with me, and she looked really up, upset. And uh, I was like, oh, okay. And with my translator, uh, we started talking, and, and she told me that ever since she'd moved in there, that a, a, a local man was breaking in every night, after getting drunk at the bar and uh, raping her in front of her children. He knew where she was. She knew that where, you know, she was an easy target. She had no way to protect herself. And as I, I heard this story, my heart just broke. I just was thinking, God, I thought it was about a house. I thought it was about brick and mortar. I thought that I was going to, you know, do this thing or we were going to do this thing and it would be rah, rah, eat the eat the meal and, and go and do the next thing. And God was saying, no, not what I have planned. You're not going to do this drive-by stuff. You're not going to do things, make yourself feel better, and then move on to the next thing. That if you truly want to be the tangible hand of Christ, if you truly want to be about what I'm about, you're going to have to get dirty. You're going to have to do life with people who are different from you, people who don't necessarily know your language, and you're going to have to live the hell that they live and walk with them step by step. And that day I realized that God had called us to something much larger than building houses and hanging out and celebrating. He had called us to be His ambassadors and to walk with people and to love them. And what we did was we... We made calls to the mayor of the city. We we uh, met some men who uh, who knew this kind of stuff was going on and and wanted to have it stopped and not happen. And and we got some lawyers and 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 there's an organization down there that we got con- contacted with that protects mothers. And I like to say that it never happened again and 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 it was all good. But the truth is. There is no one-shot deals in the kingdom of God. And that, you know what, it's not about doing one thing and then on to the next thing. It is all about relationship. And not only our relationship with God, but our relationship with His creation. And it's so tempting for us to, to say, Good, we got the doors open. Let's move on. But we have been called to a long-term relationship. And yes, hopefully there's going to be conclusion someday that tra- t- child trafficking is done and will never happen again in Africa. And we will be able to celebrate that, but there is always going to be hurt and there's always going to be pain. And we are here for a purpose. And God says, look, it's because when there was hungry people, you fed them, you showed hospitality, and you loved people. And that is what we have to be about. And these three humanitarian efforts that that we have adopted, Unseen Stories, Horses to Solomon in Guatemala, and we're messing around with the name of the mobile food ministry because we do so much more than that. Our vision for that is to really serve Tallahassee, to serve the under-resourced and help them break the cycle of poverty. And yes, we serve 1,200. We're partnering and serving 1,200 meals a month there right now, and we come alongside and we help you know, build and, and fix homes, but eventually want to get into vocational training and, and get positive work experience and, and help families break this cycle of poverty. It's so easy for us to say, we did it, we're done, let's move to the next thing. But there is no moving to the next thing until Christ comes back and it's hard, and it's not sexy. I would much rather do the big thing and move on. But the truth is, true ministry, two relationships happen when no one else is looking. And I kind of have to repent a little bit here because I've been pushing so hard on this red-eye thing that there's been some neglect happening in our home church right here And the thing is, we have to do it all. It's not do the red eye or eat three kids or clean the church. It's and. We have to become masters of the and. And our church is large enough. Five to six hundred people show up here on a Sunday. Much more people call this their home. And yeah, it takes a little extra push to get something started, but we can't let everything else fall off. And so I want to encourage you. You know what? If you love people and people love you and you like to hang out with people and interact with them, then you know what? Red Eye Eye Midtown may be the thing for you. And I want to encourage you to, to get involved with that. And there's applications over there. But last Saturday, my heart was broken again. And I, I think probably I was one of the primary causes for this. I had left Red Eye Midtown and there was tons of people there. In fact, there was too many people there. People are standing around going, what should I do? What should I do? And... Uh, Which was cool. It was exciting. It was a lot of fun and everything. But I I needed to do something over here, so I came over here. And when I got here, I saw Kim Goodner by herself. And she had moved all the chairs and tables and stacked them as she does every single Saturday. And she was mopping this floor and cleaning everything by herself. And I was like, oh my gosh. I've been so focused and hammering so hard on this this thing that I've let down this community as well. And have no doubt about it that, that God cares deeply for out there, but He also cares just as deeply for right here and again if if people are your thing you know you like people people like you red eye it's probably a good thing for you but what if you don't like people and what if people don't like you (laughs) well you know what there's a place for you too You know what? There's a place for everybody. And, and you know what? E3 kids, God has entrusted us with those children right now. And we're not going to be able to stand in front of God someday and say, God, look at what we did for you over there, and we didn't do what you entrusted us with here. You know what? I'm more concerned about Kim than I am about how clean this floor is or how clean the tables are that we need to come alongside her because what she does is every bit as important as what we do over there. And I'm just using these as examples. You know what? In order for there to be a revolution, I'm not saying if you're already serving, you've got to serve more. I know people have been serving a lot and they're tired, but you know what? There are people here who consider themselves part of our church who, quite frankly are not doing anything. And you know what? A revolution is not going to happen, there's not going to be a spark, that child trafficking is not going to stop, that safety for single mothers in Pana, in Guatemala is not going to stop, we're not going to break the cycle of poverty here in Tallahassee by filling a seat. It's just not going to happen. It takes action. It takes mobilization. It takes passion. And it takes the unsexy, hard work that happens outside of the limelight. And I would rather see people fully following Christ in a healthy way then see us extend ourselves and fry people and erode and destroy their souls and their spirits and their minds because we just don't want to get involved. Evil prevails because good people do not get involved. And we can't all go to Africa, we can't all go to Guatemala, we can't all serve at the Red Eye, we can't all serve any E3 Kids, we can't all clean the church every Saturday. But we all can do our part. You see, goats donate. They donate their time, they donate money to worthy causes. They donate. Sheep, followers of Christ, don't donate. They give, and they give out of what God has already entrusted to them. They give of their first fruits, their money. They give of their time. They give of all their things. They take their hands and they say, these are not mine to serve me. These hands have been given to me to be the tangible hands of Christ in this lost and hurting world. And believe you me, if nothing else, I'm going to press that question. I'm going to press that question because you need to answer it. Because how you answer that question Dictates what your whole life and other the people's lives around you are going to be. We have been comfortable long enough. We've made, we've matured. It's time to mobilize. Let's pray. Dear God. I hope that you have challenged us today that we will not settle for comfort or playing church but that we will be the church that we will be your tangible hand that we will serve, we will give that we will love That you will give us victory. That you will give us discipline to do the things that need to be done in order to achieve your purpose. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.